Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We're back after another week with another crew. We've got Andy and we've got a, a podcast debutant. We've got Keith in with us. You might have seen his uh, Rough Diamonds articles coming out uh, every few uh, days, for almost really. You've been really active with that, haven't you? So, yeah, we're welcome you on to the podcast, mate. How's it going? Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. I uh, love doing a series. It, um, it's been a long series, but I'm, I'm happy to... to that's pretty expected now. Get, look ahead to the next one, yeah. Yeah, what have you got? Like a couple, is it two, three more? I've got... Uh, I've got three more. Three more to okay. do. It's been a good one. It's been a long one, though. I'd like to say it's a bit of a slog, isn't it? When you get these long article series out. Longer, longer, it feels like it's been longer than watching Spurs. That's, a long, <laughs> that's hard. That's an hard one. I won't mention the most recent result between our no. teams then, mate. We'll keep that one out. Absolutely. <laughs> and Andy, how are you, mate? You all right? Yes, mate. Just hot. I think that's the right word, isn't it? Just yes. <laughs> very warm. It's like tropical down here on the south coast. And uh, I'm not used to this being a... A Midlands man who gets uh, likes his snow and his uh, winter, but yeah, it's boiling. <laughs> yeah, I mean to be fair, we shouldn't complain, should we? Because it's about this is probably the height of our summer now. This last couple of weeks or so, so yeah, we'll make the most of it, um, especially when the football's on and things like that. But yeah, anyway, we're not here to talk about that kind of football for for an hour or so until we get back to it. Much uh, Sweden and and Spain, isn't it? Later on, we recorded on the the Tuesday evening, no, the Monday evening. Sorry, I'm a I'm a day ahead. Um, anyway, let's stop talking about football and keep messing up. And we're going to talk about the impact of the transfer portal and obviously the new rules that's uh, kind of hit the college football landscape over the past, uh, well, couple of uh, months, really, isn't it? It's not been too long in the in situ. But Andy, I'll talk it over to you because I know you've got a lot more information about this and the new rule and things like that. It's just uh, let listeners know what, what's kind of new state of play, really. Yeah, so obviously, previously, if you transferred, you'd you'd need like a waiver to to kind of play immediately, and and those things seem to drag on and become their own little soap opera, didn't they? So, and the NCAA changed it so every player can transfer once and play straight away, and as you'd imagine, uh, there's a hell of a lot of people trying to make, uh, you know, take use of that new rule. Um, and that's just created some difficulties. It's created some wins for some teams and some teams are a bit more concerned than others. So, yeah, it's a really interesting one to get into today. It's one that seems to be unfolding in front of our eyes, um, you know, just kind of. Uh, and it's also kind of mixed in with the old rule that you can have an extra year of eligibility after the um, after the COVID stuff last year. So that's creating a real kind of roster building conundrum for some teams. Um, I mean, I'll jump straight to my... Florida State uh, team and say that you know they're taking they're making the most of it to ship out some talent and bring in some some you know transfers rather than bringing in a whole new sort of um, freshman class and, and other teams are just kind of adding one or two pieces. You, you Alabama adding like two transfers of high quality stuff. So yeah, it's 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 added a real like a different element and I, I guess you could almost say it's college football's free agency really, um, and that's the. Um, it's kind of a beautiful thing for, for the fan who's kind of interested in, in all these moves, but I think it's going to create a serious, well, a series of serious problems for, for teams themselves uh, in the next couple of years. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to run through a few of the pros and cons amongst the three of us, but it certainly looks like it's going to create some sort of bottleneck, isn't it, in terms of the amount of players that are going to be kind of left without a chair to sit on when the music stops. 
Um, I was reading an article earlier on that contained a quote from Matt Brown, the UNC head coach, and says that last time he checked, and I can't remember when the article was written, it probably was written in the last few weeks or so, he reckoned there was only about 37% of players who were going to get a transfer. So that's either going to create some unhappy players or some players who are, like I say, left without a chair to sit on. That's it. There's a thousand, more than a thousand players currently in the portal. And when you get into, you know, just the start of the kind of camps and stuff like that rolling around the corner, that's a lot of people uh, that aren't going to end up with a team. Um, and yeah, it just feels like it's a, it's a massive learning curve and it's not really the coaches that are going to have to bear the brunt of the learning curve. It's it's those players that are just going to be left in uh, in no man's land, really. So, mm. yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, I mean, I can see why they've done it. The whole argument behind this, by the way, is just to try and like level the playing field, isn't it? To try and give players, you know, um, some of the teams that are around about the top, you know, top top 25 every year, give them that extra push to get over the line. But um, it's always worth considering that whatever rules they've got to make use of, so of Alabama, so of Clemson, so of Ohio State and, and the rest of them. So it, it does it really, even the, even the playing field, I guess we'll get into that a bit more as we're going through it. Yeah, yeah, let's get into some of the pros and cons then. I mean, one thing I want to maybe start off with is you mentioned that you kind of alluded to it, that it's kind of like college free agency. It kind of reminds me a little bit about transfer deadline day that we have over here in the UK and the excitement around that. Do you think this is going to like create some more media attention, almost similar to like signing day? It's like transfer day or something like that. Keith, what do you reckon to that? Obviously, you know, we're all football fans in here, both kinds, but yeah. you know, what's, what's going to happen with this one? I think it's, you can call it, it's re-signing day. Um, it's, yeah. These guys have all done this process once before. Um, the, the suitors that locked out first time around will be hot on that phone. Um, selling their, their, their team into them. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's underhand tactics, you know. Um, In college football, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's murky. I think it's really murky. I mean, if, if a guy is sitting there saying, make it quite clear that he's not quite happy with his situation at the moment, one of those former uh, teams will hear about it immediately, be on the phone or whatever method you use these days. Uh and yeah, and to, uh, to convince them all over again. Um, it's, it's tricky because you can see both points of view. You really can. Um, and it has been made different with the eligibility um, straight away. That is a CP year. Um, you, in the old days, you'd have to think about transferring, right? You would not want to necessarily take a year out knowing full well that you've got to learn a whole new playbook in that year and then re-impress again by which time another coaching staff might have changed in that time um, so you've thought long and hard before transferring before now with this current rule it's a free-for-all we've seen it um, they said it's a thousand people in there at the moment I mean Christ there's going to be a lot of grovelling right? <laughs> when you don't when you don't get a team coming for you you're going to have to go back your current school and say I think I've made a mistake can I have my scholarship back please <laughs> I know how that works but you're going to have to grovel pretty hard and uh, they may have already bought someone in to take your place uh, so yeah it's going to be I think I see, see, see both sides there's very temptation to go and move and play immediately somewhere else where you may not have been getting that chance before but you know let's face it every player's dream here 
I think we want it to 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 be uh, they enjoy the game so much. It's for the love of the game. If not, it's to get into the NFL as quickly as possible and earn the money. That's the crux of it. Um, if you're stuck as a you know second string quarterback at for the state, say Florida State for example, but you know you can transfer to well, if the Wales in the ACC slightly lower down, even out of the uh, power five. Now you've got a starting gig straight away, straight away. So now, spring, learn the playbook. By all, you could be competing for that number one job. You're going to get to your goal much quicker. But then you've screwed over your old team who are relying on you. You've been there a couple of years, perhaps. You have, you know the playbook. You know everything. Christ, now they've got to backfill that position. Um, it's difficult. But yes. as for deadline day, it's a good uh, analogy for it. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, for it's very exciting. I'll, you know, if once you hear someone's in the port, you're thinking, Christ, where are they going? Mm. You know, where are they going? Uh, you know, it's a step up for them. Like, if someone's taking the side step, well, perhaps we'll get to um, Eric Gilbert later. I, I'm not sure what that one was about. Uh, that's, a, that's a funny one. But there's a lot of these that do make a ton of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you think with all this and obviously the, the media for is surrounding it, do you think it's like another step towards professionalism? Should be, shouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, if, if you're in a way, you're giving the players a lot of power at the moment. Um, a power they've never ever had. Um, but you're giving them power without money. Um, mm. I think that's a, probably another debate, but I, yeah. We're getting close, aren't we, to to um, players earning some kind of money whilst playing? They yeah. should do. They're basically they are risking a lot um, for whatever percent. I forget what the percentage is that actually makes it. It's so small, it's ridiculous. Uh, if if you're going to put your body on the line for four years, risking everything, um, I think you should be able to sign a few panini cards or whatever and get a few quid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Andy, what, what what else are this then? What else are the like the, the pros then for this then and, and, and cons maybe as well, whatever you want to kick off with? Well the pros are just the, the player power, isn't it? Like we're just kind of alluding to with the, the financial side as well. You get um if you if you know that you can get a starting gig, like using the Florida State analogy again, if you know you can start at Duke and you want to leave Florida State, then you just you know, you just put yourself in the in the transfer portal and, and off you go. But um, there's obviously all the cons to that side as well but I think that's that Keith alluded to those kind of underhand tactics and we're already kind of seeing it immediately according to some coaching staffs where all you have to do is put a phone call into you know the, the player's former head coach at high school level and go you know you're still in contact with ex-player uh, yes okay well can you give him a call and say we're interested in having him over here at, at Duke um, and he's not playing FSU so so stick himself in the portal and off you go. But there's no, you're still like, okay, you you dilly and dather for that for like three, four weeks and then somebody else already goes in and you've still got no guarantee that you're actually going to end up on that Duke roster. So that's the immediate problem there. There's also the whopping huge, massive problem that you can only sign 25 players each season onto your, onto your roster. And uh, I think we're going to come on to teams like Tennessee who have lost 25 players since October into the portal. You've just got no chance of replacing like for like in terms of talent. Um, and that's just like a huge sort of issue that you're going to have teams of less than, you know, less than full capacity. You're not going to have your 85 like scholarship team like sorted or anything like that, are you? And um, 
and there's kind of and and then even then if you lose 25 you can still lose another five and get to 30 and you can only bring 25 in to, to replace them there so that's like a huge issue and there's been some suggestions on how we get around that um, which I know that will come to as well um, I just wanted to pick up another point uh, to kind of merge them into the, into the two there's also the point that you can kind of already see maybe coaches forcing people out to kind of, you know, you're my fourth choice quarterback. You, you're you never going to play here. You've got like, you know, two five-star and, and, a, and, a, and a junior quarterback in front of you. You might as well leave, mate. And then so you go into the portal. No one wants you because you've not played a snap of college football in three years. And you're just like you're left in, in no man's land without your education and that sort of thing. And, and already statistically speaking, you're less likely to graduate as a player if you're a transfer uh, anyway. So um, you're almost just defeating the whole point of going to college. Obviously, a lot of these players only go to college to play football, fair enough. But if you don't leave with a degree or uh, a ticket to the NFL, um, you know, where does that <laughs> where does that leave you in life? So that's, that's all needs to be factored in. And it's this kind of... Uh, need for decisions immediately which is the issue isn't it you've got a, who's advising you if it's your if it's your parents probably fair enough but more and more you're seeing like you know like you were saying the professionalism aspect you're going to have probably people that aren't getting paid to advise you but they're banking on you getting a getting a paycheck in the future and so they're like telling you to to, to do whatever need needs do, doing to get that that future payday and it just becomes a proper perilous sort of like journey doesn't it really so um yeah i mean i must admit you can probably tell from from what I'm saying. I, I'm not like I am a real fan of the the ability to transfer and stuff like that. But I think there's got to be some kind of limitation on the number of each year, and there's got to be. I mean, I, I don't really have the answer off the top of my head, or just the you know the way it works. You can because we're going to see a whole new batch of transfers in the summer as well. When you turn up to training camp thinking, oh, I'm neck and neck for the starting job, but you know maybe even places like Oregon you're kind of you know you're going to quarterback battle there if you walk in and the and you're the junior but the freshman quarterback gets the starting gig ahead of you you're just going to jump straight in in the summer aren't you and, and you know add another 500 players to that thousand players already in there so yeah it's just um I don't know how you go about uh, managing it but it's a really interesting topic that we don't like I said at the start we're going to see it play out in front of our eyes really on how it works yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it, where on, on one hand, I'm listening to what you're saying, you know, about, um, you know, old, maybe older players getting shunned out or you know, younger players getting told to leave and things like that. And maybe it's going to create a trickle-down effect. That's my kind of positivity thinking that, you know, maybe uh, the lesser schools will get a bit of a trickle-down and get some decent players and you know, start to level the playing field up a little bit. But then on the other hand, it's like what you were talking about earlier on about the big schools they'll always take advantage and they'll find some ways around it and the, you know, the underhand and things like that. So, yeah, it, it's a real minefield, really, isn't it? It really, really is. That's it. And, and there is the, obviously the bonus if you play for, I don't know, North Dakota State and, and you're good enough to play for Alabama, then you can go and, oh, you know, we saw Jabril Cox do it with LSU last year. You go straight away and play and um, and it boosts your draft stock. So there's, there is positives to it, don't get me wrong just feels like at the moment it's a bit of a wild west doesn't it you can like everyone's doing it with no sort of limitations and mm. um yeah and the smarter programs will be the ones that come out ahead of the ethical programs won't it so that's the <laughs> uh, that's the way it works but yeah it's a really interesting one i think that the kind of solutions and stuff that are being put forward obviously we'll talk through those in a bit maybe but um those don't come without the downsides as well so yeah it's like you know uh, interested Keith what I mean obviously you've done a bit of digging on individual players I mean is there any kind of 
players that you've seen that have kind of jump off of, of benefiting it from it and, and some that are missing out, you know, have made a bad decision or anything like that? Yeah, I've got, um, I've got a few. I think, um, I, I don't know, I have no issue if you're going to come from the FCS and jump up into the FBS and prove yourself, then that, that's what it should be for, really. Um, and Phil Cox is a, a great example. Um, I think uh, if you're going to take a sideways move, and I'll, I'll use Eric Gilbert here as, as an example. I mean, Drew's more talented than energy. Um, uh, slightly. I don't see... I think he's from Georgia, so perhaps that's reasoning possibly, but you know, he's going he's gonna to be a star at LSU, right? I mean, he was going to be featured. Um, but that was an odd one. He was third ranked on the 24-7 full uh, 15 transfers. Um, I like, um, I'm just going to talk about it very quickly, it's Tyke Smith of West Virginia. So he was um, slot corner, safety hybrid type with sort of Minka Fitzpatrick, whatever they want to call them these days, Vipers. Um, and he's gone to Georgia, which obviously lost, uh, I think it was, uh, let me do some quick maths, a million secondary players to the draft. Um, he gets a great opportunity um, to step in and prove himself in the SEC because let's face it, twelve defenses are not renowned for for being good. Um, he did look good, mm-hmm. and so I think if you can if you can shine or you're being lit up by Oklahoma all the time, uh, moving to the SEC, I've got big hopes for him. I think that's my favourite move, and I I think one good season at Georgia, that's your first round. That's your that's the and that's the correct move to make. Now, has he moved? <laughs> has he moved because purely for draft reasons? Yes, I suppose he would say that. Um, that and that's where we get. That's where I have moral issues. I think <laughs> where we get. Um, let's call him. Let's call him Johnny Five Star Junior. Right, Johnny Five Star Junior turns up. Um, missed the starting gig somewhere and he's got he's sat there for a year he's lost all his competitiveness he's not winning that job he knows he's not winning that job suddenly now we've got Johnny Five Star Junior I've got to go somewhere he goes down a level losing enthusiasm I think I'm making stuff we might lose competitiveness from, from players if they if they're not favourites straight away I think that's why I've seen so many people into this portal. They will just jump straight into it and try and get out of there. And then you've got to question their mentality. Um, like I said, players transferring up a level, I have no issue with that. And I, like I said, I think that's um, if you're scouting that and taking that into an NFL room, you'd be saying, look, this guy just wants to keep testing himself at better and better levels. Someone that's perhaps been a little bit privileged from the start, hasn't got his own way, falls by the wayside. Um, I can't be bothered to compete. Um, I can't think of a good example. I'm struggling out quickly. Um, but yeah, well, they will. Will they totally lose the fight? Probably not. There's someone, as we've said before, someone will always take a chance on them. If you're a five star, you've still got a very good chance of being drafted. I mean, Walker Little didn't play for two years. Mm. And when he did, he wasn't, wasn't all that. Uh, yet he's going in the second round. They're examples of people that will always take a chance on a five star. But I think I lose a bit of competitiveness, especially if you're not the coach's favourite. I mean, if, if, you've, if you're going to have to fight and work 
do we are we taking that away from the game? That's the question here. Yeah, and I was going to say on on that point, mate, is is um, what what's happening to kind of that traditional like, dynasty kind of team building as well, isn't it? Really, I mean, like if you're, you know, I, I take the I forgot what the guy's name is now. There's a five star quarterback sat at Cincinnati, um, and he's coming, he's coming, and he's the highest recruited guy in Cincinnati's history, and he's quite happy to sit there because he knows that Desmond Ridder's, you know, off at the end of this season. And he's done his two years of kind of sitting there, learning the playbook, getting familiar with it. And that's the traditional way it's done, isn't it? You kind of yeah. sit for a while, you you take the starting job. But I think more and more you're going to get those five-star quarterbacks coming in, you know, maybe even battling out with another five-star quarterback that's coming and then going elsewhere. A bit like Justin Fields. And Justin Fields is a good example because he's gone on to do what, you know, he, he set out to do and get drafted after a couple of great seasons. But for every Justin Fields, it's going to be, a um, take Martel and they're just going to yeah. lose their way and change position and faff around and and they're just going you know it's a dead end so it's it's a really like what happens to team building what happens to you do four years you start two years you you're a bit bit part player for your sophomore season and stuff like that so that that's a really interesting one I've seen a lot of coaches kind of or former coaches tweeting that out former analysts as well so. Yeah, it's um, it's fascinating, and, and as you were saying, Keith, there are players that are doing like seem to be making really good steps, um, and for the right reasons. I look at like Jamison Williams going to Alabama as well. Um, you know, not starting and understandably behind the receivers he was he was behind before, and now going to probably start for the best team in college football. Like even though that seems like a level transfer, that's like a that's definitely a step up for him personally. Um, so you kind of get it, but. Yeah, I mean, I look at the guys that FSU have brought through the door and there's a lot of hungry players from like big programmes that haven't made it and, and a couple of players from UCF as well who go the opposite way and we seem to be balancing it out quite well but we're also, I think we've got 11 transfers come in and that's a hell of a lot compared to like, so we're in three years' time when when that freshman class, this year's freshman class seems to be peaking and, you know, we're going to have a void of 11 key players that aren't going to be sat on the roster and have that time to develop so do you kind of lock yourself into a I'm going to get just keep getting transfers every year rather than going after uh, freshman talent and developing them myself and, and you might see a whole new breed of coach based on that alone might you might get like what do they like they call them in like in soccer or whatever they call them like players coaches you're going to see a lot of those that are kind of there to mollycoddle rather than mm-hmm. develop so yeah that's uh, another another point yeah, I was, I was actually just going to raise that exact point actually about the coaches and then you, you took it right out of my, my mouth almost in terms of you're going to get that. So, and when we're talking about round ball football a lot on this episode because it has a lot of parallels, but you're going to get the coaches who you know want the youth players and the, the traditional sense of kind of recruiting and taking people from high school, developing, et cetera. And then you're going to get like your Jose Mourinho kind of coaches who just want transfers in and things like that. You know, it's, it could it could do exactly that. It really, really dirty could. Word, dirty word, Jose. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that again. <laughs> I mean, let's let's talk about some teams. Keith, I know you wanted to talk about Tennessee in particular. It's going to yeah. be a problem, isn't it, for these kind of middle of the road power five schools who are going to get taken advantage of? They are if you're not good enough, yeah. And Tennessee recruit really well. They recruit really, really well. You see five stars turn up here all the time. Um, so obviously, you know, perhaps uh, the incentives are good. In Tennessee, I don't know. <laughs> but we're now at a point where of the top, um, we've got the top 11 
24-7 support. Uh, four of them are for, let's see, they're transferring out. Uh, I don't know if you can afford to lose that calibre of player. Um, the amount of effort that goes into recruiting a player, I mean, in, on your team, you're, you're then throwing all that effort into coaching these guys, and what, two years down the line, they're gone. This, um, that, that must be absolutely cutting. Um, you assume they're going to stay there for the four years, or well, three at least, if, if mm. you know, if you do it right. And here we are, sort of losing quality starters to better school. Um, all of them have we've got Bama, Oklahoma's, and an NC. So, you know. Arguably best, well, all the best schools. Let's see, a left with limbo. They're, you know, what do you do? Um, well, what they will do is they'll go down and, and try and grab four transfers from, you know, from the, 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 they think they're better then. Um, all you do is reducing your talent level. Um, they have been hit really hard. They will struggle. I mean, uh, getting fired, I think it's probably one of the bigger deals uh, for the Tennessee. Um, uh, outs. Um, I think Bill were reporting by him they wanted to play for him they've gone um, probably because of that but so, I mean I don't know if it's the orange kit but I really like a soft spot for Tennessee uh, they, they I won't call them a second because I don't even have a first really when it comes to college but I always feel sorry for them they always my Spurs thing probably I, always they always get beat up at some point Um I think they do really well in the fundamentals of recruiting. I said they get these five stars in, effort that goes into that, and then three years, they've all gone. They've gone and they've got to start again. How, what's that look like to the incoming freshmen? How are you going to try and sell your your programs? And, you know, oh, don't worry about Henry Coco. He's gone. Yeah, don't worry. He was never the right fit for us anyway. You're the five, so you're the next one, and you'll be great. And um, Yeah. Make it very quickly. I do, I do feel so for Tennessee already. Sort of the the middle of the road SEC tied. They're just going to stay there. Can't really improve. Um, whilst this kind of, sort of transfer portal exists, I think mm. they they've also taken advantage. I've they got um, uh, and not take. Well, I, I don't think they. Well, I don't know if they would have done this anyway without the kind of um, stuff overhanging them in the off-season, but they brought in like Hendon Hooker to quarterback them, which is... Um, I know, yeah, that's a good move for them, yeah. Yeah, it's a good move for them, and I think it's a good move for him as well, isn't he? Mm. Which, uh, you know, obviously, that, that Virginia team wasn't really doing a whole lot for him anyway, so mm. it's interesting that. Um, I was actually, well, we were on specific teams, Lee, if you don't mm. mind, I'll just talk quickly about Kansas, because... Obviously, brought in Lance Leopold from Buffalo um, this year, and this is another thing you're going to start seeing players following coaches. And obviously, Kansas have transferred ten players in, six of them uh, former Buffalo players. So, does that kind of is this going to undermine programs? You know, those small programs. When your head coach goes somewhere, is he going to take all your best players with you? And immediately kind of knock you down. <laughs> I mean, you think how Buffalo are going to play this year without their starting uh, <clears throat> defensive lineman, interior O line, linebacker, uh, another D line, a wide receiver, and another interior O line. So you take both your guards, both your <laughs> defensive linemen, uh, and you starting, you know, you start wide receiver, and you suddenly, <laughs> you know, what can you do about that? And that's another uh, another issue there. Um, 
which which is kind of why I mean I think like I said to you before I don't know if you need to put limits on these things and and that sort of stuff. So yeah, um, you know. But but there's, on the flip side, I know it, I'm looking at it negatively, but on the flip side, those six young men are now going to play. <laughs> you know, much higher level football against better opposition. And if all six get drafted, then what a decision by them. <laughs> like, absolutely fantastic decision. So, uh, yeah, it's where, where you draw the line, really. I think at Kansas, they're just going to get beat every week. <laughs> <laughs> they, they might get a bit bored of that very quickly. <laughs> yeah, and if they just run the ball as much as Buffalo did, then I guess those <laughs> interior O-line are just going to love that, though, aren't they? They're just going to be like, we know what we're doing. Pound the rock, so, yeah. <laughs> Is that then, you know, if this trend does occur that we're saying where players are going to follow coaches, does that make a coach who's a great recruiter an even bigger commodity because he's got that power then to bring those players along with him potentially from his old school or something like that? You know, because there are some exceptional recruiters out there, you know, and that's what, you know, college football is made for, really, isn't it? You know, in the sense that, you know, when they, these coaches kind of make a step up to the NFL, you know, I'm thinking of someone like Chip Kelly, for example, you know, who recruited incredibly like in his previous roles and then he said made the step up to the NFL, couldn't do it, you know, maybe because it's a different art form to signing a veteran player, you know, or drafting people as it is to uh, selling a franchise, you know, to a, to, a, to a recruit, a high school recruit, you know, so that, that could mean that they're really valuable people, um, you know, they, they, their players will come with them because if, they, if there isn't a limit put on it, then they're going to be able to just, like say, just take away all the cream of the crop of their other team, and especially if that's out of conference. You know, it's going to make some real seismic shifts sometimes, I think. It's going to be an interesting point. I guess, has this all come about at the, the wrong time? Obviously, we've got some pros and we've got some cons about this, but has it come about at the wrong time with the COVID thing as well? Because obviously there's going to be a hugely bloated college class coming up for the next draft and things like that. Go on, Keith, do you want to take that one, mate? I won't have to write a draft guide on the next one because there's going to be thousands. <laughs> uh, but I believe we are, so that'd be fun. Yeah, um, more people this year, so it's fine. <laughs> I mean, it was easy to work, so it wasn't easy. It was uh, more manageable last year's amount of, of players for the for the draft, which uh, mm. I wouldn't mind. You can't limit, obviously, how many people can draft. It was, it was much easier as a... As a armchair scout and, and fans to put together a sort of a top 150, 200 this year. Um, next year, you, like you said, it's going to be saturated. And mm. Yeah, lots of players um, I think some six-year players in there. Um, so an age becomes a factor, wear and tear becomes a factor. Mm. You know, you wipe experience over over, yeah, how long you've been there. I think Hilliard was an interesting one this past year because I think I've just written, or oh, I'm going to write about him in my rough diamond. Uh, so he was there six years at Ohio State. Um, uh, is that too long? I mean, you're now 24. Oh, it's, you know, your second contract, you've probably, at your peak, that's probably passed. Is it worth it? You know, hmm. 24 is probably too old. Um, you can probably catch that if, if you know, in my opinion, um, but yeah, no, it's not oh got this next draft pool is going to be huge, yeah, yeah, it really is. And like you say, it's, it's going to have its pros and cons because probably at the top of you know the, the tree in terms of each position, if you've got a 24 year old rookie, maybe it's not too bad, but if there are like the lesser players, mid round, late round players, those guys are going to the scrappy part at the end of the day. No one's going to really take you know, we and and just one of those things, isn't it, where we 
not too far away from the players that we were talking about. But I remember obviously talking about a lot of the BYU guys obviously gone on their mission. You know, they're 24, 25 and they're coming out and they only ever, you know, unless they're really top, top players, they only ever really go in the mid rounds and, and late rounds, don't they? And if you've got a heck of a lot more players like that, again, the competition for those mid and late rounds, there's only so many draft picks that, that can be made, isn't there? So it's again, it's going to create a lot more undrafted free agents. And then with the new, and we're kind of getting a bit ahead of ourselves with this, maybe, or I am at least, with, with the less preseason games in the NFL now, they've got less chance to prove themselves. Yeah. And then you're going to get a lot less guys even making it even still because, you know, we we're going to create just a huge void of players who can't make either a college roster and then, you know, they don't go, like they get that ticket to the NFL and then a huge void of undrafted free agents who then can't get on a roster for the NFL. It, it's got its problems. I'm old enough to remember uh, 12-round drafts. Um, lots of pros and cons to that. Well, I always thought it was pros um, because... You're obviously introducing a load more players who are guaranteed at least some kind of money, uh, a signing bonus or whatever, something from it. Um, mm. Obviously, I suppose from uh, rounds eight to twelve never made the things. That's why. That's why they they shortened it. Um, but is there a happy medium where you can expand? Just even if it's just to to get over this initial hump. I mean, could you have rounds um, and somehow guarantee? Round eight to ten, a place on a practice squad, at least someone's practice squad for a year, just so that they've got a chance. Um, mm. But if you do that, the poor guys this year will suffer probably because it'll be their spots they're taking. So swings around a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, obviously, there's been some recent successes. There's been some players, like you say, that will make the most of it, and some teams that will certainly make the most of it, and then certainly be the opposite as well. You know, we can look no further than the last few Heisman quarterbacks, you know. Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow. Uh, that's just from recent memory as well. You know, they've all been recent transfers that have really gone on to, to bigger and better things, obviously won the Tiesman. What is the solution to this then for, for the, both the players and the, the, the teams themselves, maybe, you know, the middle and the, and the lower down potentially, because the solution for the big boys is that they're just going to hoover up all the top yeah. talent, obviously. But what, what, what are they going to do? What, what, has anyone got any ideas on this at all? So, so there's a few ideas like banging around already. I'll, I'll run through them and we maybe break them down a bit. Um, like the first one is kind of you can recruit up to 30 new players a year, but still cap it at 50 over two years. So that kind of removes the issue of, um, you know, you lose 30 players, can you bring 30 players in? But, you know, what happens if you lose 30 players and actually you're already in deficit? So that's... That's one thing, but and then there's a the kind of sort of stuff like you know that some of the programs are suggesting one player in, one player out sort of systems. I'm sure we can see the the problem with that with Alabama and Co in a minute. And then um, the ones that I actually like are your league standing determines how many transfers you can bring in. So if you finish like bottom of your conference, you can bring in there's I don't know 25 if you finish. Uh, if you're Alabama and you can only bring in one and, uh, and you know, you could even do a waiver style sort of thing. So someone goes in the transfer portal and they have to get past Kansas to be able to get to Alabama again. Um, so that those two are ones I quite like. I also quite like the, the ACC's proposal, which hasn't been passed, but um, is that you can only recruit as many as you lose to graduation. Um, so you can still have, more than 25 if you lose more than 25 but you can't force a player to leave the program 
to then replace him so you protect the player um you kind of yeah so I, those are the kind of ones i've seen banded around already but uh don't know what you guys think to, to them i hadn't i hadn't heard any of them to be honest with you and i was nodding along to a lot of those because i think the the waiver system again it's kind of moving towards that professionalism which i'm sure we'll get at some point you know in the probably quite near future and to have that kind of system is something that we kind of know it's something that everyone's familiar with it's relatively fair as well and the this the, i think it was the last one you said about the not losing sorry being able to fill your graduates as well i kind of like that because like you mentioned it gives that player that protection and it kind of solves the problem that i'm sure loads of people would fall foul to um just through admin errors and stuff like that of you know, if you've got a certain number, even if it's over a couple of years, you're always going to be kind of like saying deficit and chasing your tail a little bit. So I think it kind of takes away that element of it as well. So I kind of like both of those in particular. Those have got kind of positives from what you've just run through. As long as it's fair, I think, and as long as the players have protection, I think those are two main things from whatever happened. I think those are two main things that I'd want to see, if I'm honest. Yeah, and the kind of, like the waiver one or the league standings one is good because... Then if, if I wanted to leave like a like a top program because I wasn't starting, then I'm gonna go and get picked up by a team which I'm I'm probably gonna like you know be a starting caliber player for and I don't fall into the trap of then thinking I'll go from Alabama to Clemson and then just be sat on the bench there and just think this is an awful decision and then as Keith alluded to earlier, you didn't lose your love of the game and and you kind of clock off and, and you don't develop as a player at all. So, yeah, I, I do like that one. I can't remember who proposed that, but I saw somebody um, fairly prominent had brought that idea forward already. I think the problem at the moment is that the five conferences are just so disaligned on, on what they want to do that this is going to be another four or five year job of a chaos before, it, you know, a reasonable solution emerges from the market. So, yeah, Keith, I don't know of any like, ideas or anything that you particularly liked out of them or you've got any different ones. I think... Um... The waiver system thing is intriguing and uh, it could add an element of fun to it, I think, because um, you may rue passing on someone and you know, helping out a, a, a conference rival at the same time, possibly. Um, perhaps we you cap the limit. I don't know. Uh, it's got to be, you can't have a thousand players in a portal. That's, you've got to stop it at that sort, first of all. Um, make it not more difficult because if I want to get out, obviously they just have that right to get out, but I might need a bit more justification to get into that transfer portal rather than uh, my dorm room's not right, right colour or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I want a bit more liberty to your reasoning to, to leave in the programme. Um, that's I could, the biggest problem is the fact that we've got so many in there in the first place. If, if if that number is, is a tenth, you, you know, you probably only want 100 players to be eligible. You cap the number, or you're just going to get everyone rushing to do it as soon as they can. I, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. Mm. Yeah, it, it is, it's way too big, isn't it? And like you say, it's only going to contribute to the problems that we've kind of been talking about. I like the fact that you, you were talking about, you know, needing a bit more of a reason to do it. Not just, you know, I don't fancy it here or I've made a bad mistake, you know, like you say, you, you don't want that competitive element to be taken out of it just because you're not starting for a year or two it shouldn't give you kind of an easy out and, you know, an easy thing to walk away from. And I know that some players have been, Andy, you mentioned before about, you know, uh, coaches is talking about that and then the players have been biting back. I've seen a couple of them saying, well, you, you know, if someone offered you a bit more money, you'd definitely leave and go coach somewhere else. So, 
Um, yeah, it's kind of it doesn't work both ways at the same time. But yeah, I, I, I like the fact that players want to compete, don't they? Right? You know, they want to compete and, like you say, Keith, to show off to the NFL scouts that we're hopefully watching them on Saturdays that they can compete and they will come and and start and play well and and work for their their role on the team, even if they don't get their way immediately. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a tricky one. It's really, really tricky. I keep saying that throughout this whole thing because I can see I can see the pros and the cons for, for it and it's a really tough one. And it's one of those, isn't it, where you do fear, as we keep saying, that the big schools are just going to take advantage of it and and there's going to be some players who are left just hanging and not able to, to do anything. You, you wonder if it's going to take like almost like a legal case or something to, to make the NCAA do something. Like if you're sat in the portal and somebody's told you that they were going to take you and they've not done that or somebody said, oh, you go and test the portal and if you don't get what you want, you can come back and they don't go through that. It's going to take like some sort of legal case to force it. It normally, I say it normally does, but it just feels like, you know, you get these legal cases which are quite groundbreaking in in this sort of area all the time, don't you? Especially with like player finance and stuff like that. So yeah, it feels like there's going to, it might need to be an external factor which comes into force the issue in the next couple of years if it's going to be but I was, I was going to say I don't know like what you guys are looking to see this year and to kind of to make a judgment call from this year I mean for me it's how well do players that aren't quarterbacks play in, uh, that have transferred I mean I think like Lee you reeled off like several quarterbacks have gone on to be drafted really highly after doing that and I don't think you can really argue with the benefits of tra- it's only one one of you on a field and you're not playing and you're not going to play for three or four years and then you're just going to graduate and never have stepped foot on never showing your potential I understand it but I want to see how you kind of offensive lineman your wide receivers are really one that's interesting for me because traditionally you enter a season with what 10 to 12 wide receivers on a college roster if you're good enough to transfer over and beat out those guys that have been there before and stuff and and I, I want to see how many of those receivers can do that and I, looking at someone like Wandale Robinson um great player when you flick on Nebraska's Nebraska yeah Nebraska's highlights mm-hmm. from last year and now he's gone over to the SEC like I'd be really intrigued to see how well he does if he can beat out those guys and, and get drafted as high as his potential suggests he could do um, because then if that goes well then it kind of lays the groundwork for other people but if we see more Tate Martells and that sort of thing is that going to you know, is that going to put players off and, and you're going to get that 1,000 reduced severely because people are scared of the unknown so Mm. yeah interesting I don't know what you're looking forward to seeing this year Lee it's like everything isn't it like you say it's, way, it's the way it's going to shake out and the way it's going to um, you know like you said the trends that are going to emerge from it because like you say if, if there's a ton of flops then like you say that, that number will reduce I'm just looking to see if you know the, the players that have been drafted drafted over the past year and they're kind of replacements that these teams are taking advantage of it you know, I'm thinking about obviously the UNC running backs that both went, that they were both um, you know, quite highly thought of throughout the whole draft process and you know, got drafted relatively highly in the second and fourth round. And then they've got Ty Chandler that's coming over from Tennessee, who we've obviously mentioned, one of those players that's, that's kind of left. And you know, I was paying a lot of attention to them last year. Obviously, Sam Howell, um, potentially the number one quarterback in the draft. How is he going to be supported in that running game? And you know, he's lost a whole bunch of weapons as well. He could probably do with a wide receiver coming to the fore as well. But, you know, you've got a veteran player like Chandler who's obviously played in the SEC before and how is he going to do? Because again, that's going to set a precedent for these players that are moving to like backfill the, almost the stars that have left and they're going to be looking to put themselves in the shot window for their draft 
um, you know, for, for when they're in the draft cycle, which I believe Chandler is draft eligible now. I think he was last year, actually. But um, yeah, so I'm looking for that, really. Looking to see. Pretty, it's pretty similar sort of, um, yeah, sort, sort of lines of what you just said, really, but um, more for the sort of the star element of it and how they're going to fill those roles that were really productive last year and to see if, you know, someone else can then have that example to follow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, it's just, I, I'm just like... I'm really intrigued by it all, really. Like, I think we've we've got that point across that we don't have the solutions, and and it's all very new throughout the pod. But it's it it could it could like take off, and it, this be the, the future of college football for the next twenty thirty years, or it could just die a death if if people start like flopping and stuff like that, as we've said, and it'll go back to the kind of one or two a year and stuff. And I'd be interested just to see how it works with that team building thing that we've spoken about before. I, I'm really like it banging on about Florida State, but. Florida State turn up this year and they go from like three wins up to seven, uh, then it almost validates Mike Norvell's approach um, and, you know, and and his ability to get the most out of those transfer players. I mean, I've already seen, um, I can't remember the guy, we, we brought in an edge rusher from Georgia and like, and spring practice, he was just head and shoulders above everyone else on the roster. And bear in mind, we've just had two defensive ends drafted fairly fairly highly fourth round sort of thing for for guys with very little production. So that he's obviously seen that and, and what Norvell got you know, sky out of them in one short season. So is that going to transform programs overnight? If it can, then I'll like eat my words and say that, you know, this is a great thing and it will level the playing field and <laughs> we'll start seeing some different teams in a, hopefully an expanded playoff and, and stuff. So yeah, mm. that'll be um, really interesting. But like I say, if, if we get to 2025 and Florida State have got <laughs> no, like, you know, good blue chip talent coming through and we're just living off transfers that have bottomed out at SEC and, and Clemson, then what uh, what does that say really? It's not 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 great, is it? Not a great look. I think on the positive sense, what you've just mentioned is also the method by which Norvell has done it or is doing it because obviously we spoke last year about the kind of big players that were kind of shunned to one side and that, that, that opted out. And, you know, they took the the COVID opt-out or, you know, they just opted out, you know, we're thinking of Marvin Wilson, people like that. And that was kind of to turn over the roster because, you know, you mentioned that obviously some guys' parts weren't in it. Maybe, you know, they didn't want to be there and and he's now then in the middle of this, like, roster turnover. And if, like say, that does become really successful, then there's going to be some copycats that go out and do that sort of thing. And this does allow them to do it as well. And again, we, we spent, mentioned some schools that have lost players, some coaches that brought players in as well. So, it could really, like you say, change the, the landscape of things and it becomes almost like a transfer system, doesn't it, in terms of what we have in round ball football, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Again, and that professionalism element does come into it and that those blurred lines between, you know, I know it's not for money and things like that, like we have transfer fee, fees over here, but it does become that kind of free market almost, doesn't it, in terms of if you're a player, you've now got the power then just to move elsewhere or if you're a coach, you've got more rights and more sort of power to bring in the, the players that you want as well. So it really, yeah, like you say, it could change the landscape of how players move around and it could coincide with that professionalism coming in as well. And the college football landscape could be completely different in a few years' time. Throw in another element of the TV contracts that we'll probably talk about next week and things like that and the conference realignment. And college football might be a completely different sport in five, six years' time, especially, like you say, with the, with the um, playoff expansion as well. Yeah, I wonder if like um, 
I wonder if like the the education that players will get will kind of figure into it as well because I noticed that Stanford haven't really got anyone transferring out. If you've got those like really high reputations, sort of you know the, the best cream of the crop schools in terms of educational prospects, that like could obviously impact you as well. But like I'd be interesting to see the kind of correlation between a, a Stanford and an FSU in a few years. Obviously, FSU is known as a sports got like university rather than a one that gives you a you know fantastic degree and, and that sort of thing. So you know, in five years, I wonder if you'll see Stanford losing one, two players. Florida State lost 15 this offseason alone. So, you know, that's that's another thing where you've that's a player's decision, isn't it? And that's that that sort of regulation about who's advising you and that sort of stuff. Do they need to bring that in to to keep people on the on the straight and narrow in terms of life prospects? So mm. yeah, yeah that's, a really, that, that's uh, a really good point. Uh, Sorry, uh, I'd say that from a head coach's point of view, um even at the college level, you have to win now. It's the same thing as the NFL. You have to win now, otherwise you don't have a job. So I think that's where the transfer portal for them is, is it's not win easy now, but you, know, you can go and get someone that, that already knows a system, clearly acclimatised to the college level. Um, you can go and grab a player like that and replace one of your ones that you're you know, an underclassman that you haven't quite got up to speed yet. You, you move yourself up a level. It's, it's not great for those poor players that get substituted for, obviously. Um, but those coaches need to win. Um, if I say they don't have a job, and it does come to money for them. Um, they don't want to be left looking stupid. So transfer portal on paper is brilliant. It's flawed. And it's, um, I, I, it's almost like... Um, One's got a great big magician's hat, throwing everything in there and hoping that something really great is going to come out of it. And, and like half the rabbit came out, but the other half is stuck in there. And that's a terrible analogy. But the fact is, you've got to get the other half out. Do you know what I mean? That other half has to come out because I, I think you can live without it now. It, it's it's something to stay. It's just got to be managed properly. And I wonder if this has just been too big too quickly. And it would be the first time the NCAA, the NCAA hasn't quite got it right first time. <laughs> yeah, I think we've discussed things like that many, <laughs> many times on the pod over the past few years. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of sort of synchronisation, I'll say, to, to kind of link up with this. There's a lot of things going on over the next few years, as I just kind of alluded to. And I think we'll see the landscape kind of change and there will be some mistakes, there'll be some bad things that will come from it, there'll be some good things from it. Nick Saber will take advantage of it and Alabama will probably win another championship or two in that time probably. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, guys, I think we'll I think you know we'll leave that there for today. I think that's going to be um, a, a subject I think that we'll revisit at some point, you know, maybe when we've seen a little bit of the evidence of which way it's going one way or the other, you know, who's taking advantage of it and things like that. Um, but it's a really, really interesting subject, something to keep your eyes on over the next few uh, weeks and months as these kind of transfers uh, do kind of happen. I think they've got until the 1st of July, Andy, is that right? Until they um, have to declare to their current school. So there's still movement to be made and, mm. and things like that over the next few months. Um, so yeah, we've got, what, a couple more weeks? So yeah, I feel for that. Nice one. Yeah, good discussion. And uh, yeah, one to uh, not one that we should revisit. It might even be like this time next year and see what impact it's had, isn't it? So. Yeah, Absolutely. 
let's um, let's get out of here. Let's give some handles out and let's tell everyone what we're kind of doing over the next few weeks. Um, Keith, obviously you're, you've got your draft uh, rough diamonds. What's coming next on that one, and where can we find you? I've got uh, next up is the interior defensive lineman. Um, I'm going to do the linebackers. I'm throwing all the defensive backs in together into one big horrible mess of an article at the end to finish it off. Uh, that's been going on for some time now. I'm at Lord Lucken. Um, I'm not a lord, uh, but only old people probably will get the play on words. Uh, and I've got as many followers as Spurs got points after Christmas. <laughs> so there you go then if, that, if that's not a, a call to follow this guy then, then go ahead and do it fresh yeah, to this social media world and I have no idea what I'm doing but I, I just retweet everything Spurs and San Francisco um, 49ers related pretty much there you go then obviously you'll find his writing over there as well uh, and as you will at full 10 yards CFB as well Andy what about yourself uh, yeah AJ Moore 21 and uh, Dolphin UK underscore pod um, yeah just I've like, been cracking on with these key storylines um, I've been doing them every Sunday apart from this last Sunday because it's fo- like, football soccer round ball whatever you want to call it on <laughs> and it's hot so yeah that, that means it'll come out later this week but yeah it's actually been fascinating loads of like uh, head coaching changes and stuff which are really interesting to get into and uh, looking forward to putting the Big Ten article out soon Awesome, yeah absolutely and and for me I'm at Wakefield 98 and like we said usually behind the at full 10 yards CFB although you guys are getting involved in that as well aren't you nowadays so not just me so yeah if there's any dodgy tweets coming out it's probably Andy or, or whoever else is involved in that one yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah no thanks for listening to us um, I'm going to have an article coming out in the next week um, which is about next week's podcast topic, actually, which is going to be the uh, conference realignment and potential conference realignment. Something that I alluded to towards the end of today's podcast and how that's going to change and coincide with the TV deals and how you know I think it should change for the better. Because I think, like I said, I've been saying it for a few weeks now, so hopefully this article doesn't fall on its face and people agree, or at least you know think they've got some points at least. But I think I've got a good good solution for this one that's going to be coming out um, in the next week but there'll be another podcast host next week because I'm away so uh, eyes and ears feel for that one and, and keep looking out for us but uh, yeah like I say thanks for listening to this one and we will see you uh, next week Thanks for listening to the podcast For all your football needs check out our website full10yards.com or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb and remember Keep those eyes peeled.